0: Hello and welcome to The Silver King's War. I'm Michael Severs, the writer, producer, and creator of this podcast series about my father's Second World War as a B-26 bombardier. Today we continue in the epilogue, Four Dearest Ones, the letters that the Silver King wrote to his family throughout the war. It's September of 1943. The Silver King has finished gambling and gunnery school in Las Vegas, and he's now en route to Carlsbad, New Mexico. There he will train to become a bombardier and a navigator. Stanley writes his first dearest ones from Bomber School on Saturday, September 11th, 1943. He's just arrived, and this will be his sixth installation and state. And our hero has an essential new buddy. His name is John Joseph Sherry, and he's from Philadelphia, Catholic, and also a washout. And then along comes the third guy, Herb Stempler, the Jewish kid from New York. They will share 18 weeks for Bombardier and Navigation School and a commission as an officer in the Army of the United States. This is the second class at what is a new installation. And he will share a room with J.J. Sherry. And as luck would have it, there will be a whack barracks just a few yards away. And, of course, against regulations, there will be visiting. As their bomber school begins, unbeknownst to our hero, the Silver King, and his new pals, Sherry and Stempler, there is another new installation underway in New Mexico about 300 miles north of Carlsbad. It was top secret. In the New Yorker magazine in the summer of 1954, Laura Fermi, who was the wife of the Nobel-winning physicist Enrico Fermi, wrote a two-part story, about the family's history with the Manhattan district on July 31st of 1954 Laura Fermi described the family story. The Chronicle of Los Alamos starts in the summer of 1942 almost two years before I moved there with my children. On August 13th of that year, the Army Corps of Engineers set up a special project camouflaged under the sobric of the Manhattan District to deal with matters relating to atomic research. On September 17th, Secretary of War Henry Stimson put Brigadier General Leslie R. Groves in charge of the Manhattan District. At the same time, even though no chain reaction had yet been achieved, it was decided to get to work immediately on the building of the laboratories and production plants that would be needed for turning out atomic bombs. Piles for the production of plutonium, a vital product of uranium fission, would be centered at Hanford, Washington, Oak Ridge, Tennessee, would be used for the separation of very fissionable uranium from the less fissionable kind. Work on the design and construction of an atomic bomb, the most secret part of the project, would be carried on in a spot even more secluded than the two others. In the search for such a spot, General Grove's was helped by Professor Robert Oppenheimer. Dr. Oppenheimer's family owned a ranch in the Pecos Valley on the eastern side of the Sangre Cristo Mountains in New Mexico. He was thoroughly acquainted with the countryside And he suggested to General Groves that the buildings and grounds of the Los Alamos Ranch School for Boys, which stood on a lonely mesa high above the valley of the Rio Grande, might be the ideal place. A narrow mountain road, passable, if not good, connected the school with the main highway from Taos to Santa Fe and would help surmount the difficulties of transportation. By way of the village of Espanola, Santa Fe was 45 miles away. The school buildings could accommodate the first scientists to arrive, and there was plenty of room to expand, for as far as the eye could see, there were only pines and sand. General Groves and Dr. Oppenheimer went to see the school. The school principal must have been surprised to see the strangely disparate pair. A slender intellectual with rounded shoulders and narrowed eyes, who acted as a guide to a burly Army officer, straight, direct of manner, with authority in his voice, The principal must have been even more surprised when he learned what his visitors had in store for him. The school must be closed, they said. The Army was going to buy it for secret work. In November, the Manhattan district bought the school and grounds, which thereupon lost their identity under the nom de guerre of site Y. Dr. Oppenheimer was placed in charge of the laboratory. General Groves asked him how many houses would be needed for his staff, and he replied that he expected to assemble some 30 scientists and their families, perhaps a 100 persons in all. Dr. Oppenheimer turned out to be a marvelous director, but in predicting the size of Site Y, He did not do so well. By the end of the war, the place had a population of 6,000, and 10 years after its birth, it had a population of 12,000 and a housing shortage. Into that community disappeared scientists from all parts of the United States and England. For two and a half years, the place was not indicated on any maps. It was not part of New Mexico. It had no official station. Its residents could not vote. It was Los Alamos to those living there, site-wide to the few outsiders who knew of its existence, and post office box 1663 Santa Fe to anyone who had occasion to write to its inhabitants. Well... Air cadets Silverfield, Sherry, and Stempler began their work in Bombardier and Navigation School. The work that was underway at Los Alamos would conclude its first real assignment and end the war in the Pacific two years later. But now, in the early fall of 1943, our hero and his guys began their work with ten hours of navigation school a day and the opportunity, perhaps, to write one letter per week. And as Bomber School begins for the Silver King, we have reached the end of Part 8 in the epilogue for Dearest Ones, the letters that Stanley wrote to his family throughout the war. And you are listening to The Silver King's War.